Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And as you're uh, turning there, if you would join me in standing, if you're physically able to do so, Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 8. Verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your word. Grateful to be here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us some things, uh, Lord, that might help us magnify you better in our lives. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. A couple months ago, we uh, introduced our theme for Cornerstone Baptist Church for the year 2020. And uh, the theme is magnify the Lord. And we've been talking about how we can magnify the Lord in many different uh, areas of our life. We talked, first of all, how we can magnify the Lord in our own hearts, and really that's where it all starts. Then uh, to magnify the Lord in our homes, and making sure that our home life indeed magnifies the Lord. And then uh, hopefully we can also magnify the Lord in our marriages, and we talked about that as well. Magnifying the Lord in our usage of time, in our usage of finances. We talked about how we can magnify the Lord during times of trial. We talked about how we could magnify the Lord as a church family and here in our church. Last week, we talked about how we can magnify the Lord at our favorite place, work. <laughs> and we talked about that. And then now today, though, we're going to talk about how we can magnify the Lord in our community because God does indeed want us to magnify the Lord in the community in which He's placed us. We'll talk about, first of all, this morning, the Welsh Revival of 1904 through 1905. This is almost 120 years ago. This Welsh Revival was a divine intervention that drastically changed life in churches, homes, mines in which people worked, factories, schools, even places of leisure and entertainment. And God used a young man by the name of Evan Roberts to spark these new fires of revival. As a young minister, Roberts brought to his pulpit a disciplined knowledge of the Scriptures as well as an unusual level of spiritual dedication. These attributes, coupled with literature, enabled him to to deliver powerful and polished sermons that greatly amazed his hearers. Well, the year 1904 proved to be crucial. Prayer meetings for for world revival were being held in many places throughout Great Britain as well. Young Roberts had already prayed for 13 years for the Holy Spirit to really control him. He determined to read and speak often about revival. His personal prayer effort culminated early that year when he felt the need to spend seven hours with God in prayer and Bible study each day. Roberts went to his hometown of Luger with the desire to share his burden with his Christian friends. Well, service was announced and many young people attended that service. With great liberty, Robert spoke of the deep things of God. Now remember, these are young people. He talked about the deep things of God, and because of the clear manifestation of the 
conviction of sin and the need for cleansing by the Savior, that first meeting was continued until midnight. The next day, many comments were made in the village about that particular event. The people were amazed. With the special work of God clearly visible, it was decided to keep the chapel open day and night so that worshipers could go there and pray uh, to pray and to praise God. Well, everything eventually began to spring into new life. Former blasphemers became eloquent both in prayer and praise. Drunkards forgot the way to saloons. They were too busy worshiping. It was the young people who responded with the greatest eagerness to the challenge of absolute surrender and consecrated themselves to the service of the Lord. With ever-increasing momentum, the movement advanced, creating unprecedented excitement among churches and the secular institutions outside as well. Coal miners crowded into prayer meetings that lasted until 3 a.m. And then they washed up, ate breakfast, and returned back to work. Many drunkards confessed their sins and received Christ as their Savior. According to the London Times of February 2nd, 1905, Due to this Welsh revival, many men, men abandoned dens of iniquity. Employers noticed a great improvement in the work produced by their employees. A judge named Sir Marchant Williams said that his work was much lighter, especially regarding drunkenness and related offenses. The revival fires burning in Wales in 1904 through 1905 spread through England, Ireland, and Scotland. Prayer meetings multiplied. As many as 2,000 attended a prayer meeting in the city of Bradford. In the city of Leeds, Samuel Chadwick reported that his church was never empty all day long. An amazing uh, work of grace transformed life in factories as well. Well, in 1905, a week of united prayer meetings in an English town called Newton uh, led to a glorious revival. The Prince's Theater was packed each Sunday night after church with 1,500 praying believers and many unsaved seekers. In Bulwell, many of the most degraded drunkards were converted. In the Bedford villages, whole nights devoted to prayer prepared for powerful evangelism. Now, needless to say, God was magnified in that community in that day. And there's no question. Now, God desires that we wouldn't just live in our community, in Moore, Oklahoma, and Norman, and Oklahoma City, in the OKC metro area. God doesn't just desire that we would live here, but that we would also lift Him up in our community and that we would magnify Him in our community. So with that, let's look at three practical ways this morning in which we can uh, indeed magnify the Lord in our community. And just a heads up, I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up, we are going to be turning to some scripture passages today, so get your Bibles open and ready. Get your thumbs ready to start flipping, okay? So let's dive in here to this. How can we magnify the Lord in our own community? Well, number one might surprise you, but here it is. Submit to human government. You say, that doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> and yet, as believers, this is what God wants us to do in our communities. And so, as I mentioned, we're going to be turning to several passages of Scripture. The first one we're going to look at is 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter in chapter number 2. 1 Peter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 13. 1 Peter 2.13 says, Submit yourselves 
to every ordinance of man. And notice these next four words. For the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and then here it is also, honor the king. So we need a revival in, as believers of the heart when it comes to authority. We as God's people need to remember that rebellion still is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, those of us who say, well, I'm just German, that's just who I am. I'm just stubborn. I'm 5H German, I get it, okay? Uh, my mom was 100% German, so yes, a little stubborn. But look, the Bible says stubbornness is still as idolatry. So even when it comes to submitting to the authority of the government in our lives, whether it be in the town which we live in, the state in which we live in, or the country in which we live in, God desires that we would be submissive to the government authority, and He does that, and He wants us to do that for the Lord's sake. Verse 13. Okay, so how practically can we Submit to human government. First of all, we need to obey the law. Obey the law. The most obedient to the law in our country should be believers. Should be the Christians. Uh, Again, I said we're going to be turning to some passages. We're going to go to Romans now. Romans in chapter 13. Paul here, as he writes to the Romans, and these are believers living in Rome. Now, Rome was not friendly to believers. This was not a place you would really want to live in our day and age as a believer in Christ. And so it was pretty radical what Paul was trying to say, uh, tell these believers here in Rome. And here's what he says to them in chapter 13 and verse number 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So he's saying, look, if there's there's a law that you are resisting, you're resisting the ordinance of God because God put men in those places and and he's the one who set them up. And uh, it's really, when you're disobeying the law, you're disobeying God. Is what he's saying here. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. You say, hey, pastor, I thought you were the minister. Yeah, I am a minister. But guess what? So is the police officer will pull you over for going a little too fast in, uh, in a particular zone. He is the minister of God just as I am. Um, And here it is. He is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, not just because I don't want to get a ticket, 
but also for conscience sake, because I want to be, I want to be pleasing to my Lord. Okay, so this includes paying taxes. Again, no one wants to pay more taxes. Well, I guess there are some people who want others to pay more taxes. Um, but no one really goes, yes, I want to pay more in my taxes, uh, despite what some people think. Again, but they'll be more than happy to pay more taxes. No, actually, we're not. <laughs> uh, we don't want to pay taxes, and yet that's part of the law, and that's part of what we need to be doing. Paying taxes, obeying the traffic laws. Uh, business regulations, whatever the law is, we need to be obedient to it. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So Paul was telling Titus, look, when you go to this church, these churches in Crete, I want you to kind of set things in order. And one of the things I really want you to teach in your church is that they would be obedient to the law and to those in human government. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, I remember a verse that says we ought to obey God rather than men. And that is a verse, and that's Acts chapter 5. You don't need to turn there, but Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, this is when they told them that they're not allowed to preach and teach in the name of Jesus. And he said, look, we, we want to obey the law, but we also need to obey God. He's our highest authority. And God is our highest authority. And look, we're gonna, I, w- I want to encourage all of us to obey all the laws that we can. But if there's a law that goes contrary to the word of God, that's where we say, need to say, time out. Actually, I have a higher authority, and that is God. But we don't need to throw this verse out and say, well, I ought to obey God, and God wants me to go out, visit, uh, you know, getting the gospel out, and that means I get to go however fast I want to go. I ought to obey God rather than men. No, 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 that's not an excuse. Okay, so if we're going to magnify the Lord in our community, we need to submit to human government. Part of that is being obedient to the law, the laws that we like to obey and the ones that we don't. We need to be obedient to the law. Next, we also need to vote according to biblical principles. Not not voting according to popularity, uh, not personality, but according to biblical principles. If there's a candidate that supports things that, you know, their, their view on, on the economy may be different than the mine, but if they line up with the Word of God in some of these important other areas, then I'm going to vote for them. Uh, what are some biblical principles we need to kind of have our ears perked to this coming year as we have this election coming up? Well, first of all, and most importantly, I think, is the sanctity of life. Find candidates who support the right to life. The right to life for the unborn and for those who can't care for themselves. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. In all thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Look, when 
When I was in my mother's womb, God was watching me. God saw me there. And I needed life. I didn't need to be aborted for any reason. We need to remember that God is the God of life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. But the first part of the verse says, the thief, though, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So while God is the God of life, Satan, on the other hand, is a murderer. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So we need to vote for candidates who support the sanctity of life. Because God is the God of life. Remember, He is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to vote for people. And we actually need to show up and actually vote for people who are supporting the right to life. We also need to support those and vote for those who support biblical marriage. Mark chapter 10 still says this. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. By the way, notice it didn't say and binary. No, male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. Not to his husband, but to his wife. In Romans chapter 1, Paul explains the downward spiral of humanity and Romans chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Well, what are some of those vile affections? For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Look, at I know in our culture today this topic is becoming more and more tolerated and accepted to the point where if you speak out of this, you're going to be committing a hate crime. Very soon it's going to happen. However, God doesn't change. His word stays the same. And yes, our culture is shifting, but that doesn't mean we need to shift with it. His word still says it's an abomination and sinful. This homosexual lifestyle, this LGBT movement. And look, I, I want to have a right spirit about especially those who are in this particular lifestyle because God can save their souls and change them. God can and He has and He will continue to do that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, I'm sorry, verse Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Friend, that is the LGBTQ community. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to this. Paul says then, and such were some of you. In other words, they were caught up in that lifestyle, but God radically changed them. 
Such were some of you, but now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. See, God can change, radically change somebody who, who is caught up in that. That doesn't mean just because they're caught up in it, we need to change the Word of God. The Word of God stays the same. And when we're voting this coming November, vote for someone who stands for biblical marriage. And I just want to encourage you, look, Show up and vote. It's our right, yes, but it's also our responsibility. Make your voice voice heard by voting, and if you don't vote, please don't complain about what happens in the election. You have no right to do that. And these are big decisions to make. Uh, these uh, during this current administration, several. Um, I, I don't remember now exactly. Some of you may know how many uh, Supreme Court justices have been uh, assigned and appointed during, during this. So two. And uh, there could be more in the next administration, in the next four-year term. These are big decisions. We better not stay home on Election Day, unless you do absentee. But let's vote. <laughs> let's vote. Vote according to biblical principles, not again who you think would look good as a president or look good as a state governor or whoever you're voting for. Vote according to biblical principles. And then next here, uh, pray for our leaders. Pray for our leaders. Here's how we can submit to human government. Praying for our leaders is so important. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men but also for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. God wants us to be praying. Why? Because the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. You say, no, this president and, or whoever you're looking to in government they, they'll never make a decision that will uh, line up with the Word of God. Oh, you don't know that because you're probably not praying. Um, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Pray that our leaders would make decisions that would be in line with the Word of God and give us the religious freedom to witness and to practice our faith freely here in, a, here in our country and in our town and in our state. Pray for our leaders. So if we're going to magnify the Lord in our community, we need to submit ourselves to human government. Not real exciting, but necessary if we're going to magnify the Lord here in our community. Next, we need to show love to our neighbors. Show love to our neighbors. Matthew 22 and verse 39, the second is like unto it, talking about the great commandment. The second great commandment is like unto it. Jesus said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now look, love is not just a warm and fuzzy feeling inside. Oh, I just love them. Now, that's part of it. I hope that you have a little bit of emotion when it comes to the people around you. I hope that you care about them and, and do have a, you know, a soft spot in your heart for them. But that's not just love. Love is really actually an action word. It's a verb. It's something we do. It's not just something we feel. 
John said it this way in 1 John chapter 3, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is seen, it's an action. James 2 talks about it too. What doth it, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? He said, look, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, I depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? But I just love them. I have this good feeling toward them. But if you're not doing something to show them you love them, it's not really love. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Okay, so how do we show love to our neighbors? First of all, live according to the golden rule. Live according to the golden rule. And what is the golden rule? Well, it's found in Luke chapter 6 and verse 31, the words of our dear Savior, Jesus, said this, As you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Treat those around you like you want to be treated. I think all of us want to be treated with grace, with kindness. We want people to be generous to us. We want people to be thoughtful of us, to be fair with us, to be honest with us. Well then, boy, we better be doing that with those around us as well. We need to remember the golden rule and treat others like we would want to be treated. And I know these are things that we've learned in Sunday school when we were three and four years old. But look it. Now it's time to practice it. Now it's time to live it out in our community. It's not just a head knowledge like, yeah, I already know what that is. Are you doing it? Are you living it? Galatians 6 and 7, uh, chapter 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, we've had plenty of conversations with our children about, oh, he hit me. Yeah, well, you hit him first. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do? Now, yes, he should turn the other cheek, but listen, sometimes you get treated like the way you treat them. What goes around comes around, and look, what, what you sow, you're going to reap. Live according to the golden rule. Uh, there were some children who were asked the question, what does love look like? What is love to you? And here's some explanations from some children. Elaine, age five, she said this, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. Amen. I hope you love me, baby. <laughs> Nika, age six, said this, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. Ooh. Okay. Is there somebody at work that just rubs you the wrong way? God forbid, somebody in our church that just... Mm. If you want to learn... To love better, you should start with a friend that you hate, is what Nika said. Chrissy, age six, said, Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. That is true love, and I do not love my family. So 
according to that definition, right? Yes, they know me and my french fries. I get, tend to get a little selfish with those. Okay, and I like this one. Rebecca, age eight, said this. When my grandmother got, arth- got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. That's treating somebody with love and respect and grace without really expecting anything in return. Loving our neighbors means living according to the golden rule, and it also means following the example of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Turn to Luke chapter 10, if you would, please. And we're not going to go through a whole sermon on the Good Samaritan. I'll assume that most of you know the story, know the, uh, the record here. The account, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I just kind of want to point out a couple things here as we uh, consider this man who was willing to help his neighbor. Verse 25 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, Well, what is written in the law? How readest thou? He answered and said, Well, thou shalt love the Lord with all, Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Like, is it my next door neighbor? Is it the neighbor that lives across the street from me? Who's my neighbor? What's the definition of neighbor, Jesus? I'm kind of glad he asked that question. Now, I, I don't know that he was asking it in the right way or whatever, but he, he asked the question, and I'm glad that he did, because then God gives us a definition of who my neighbor is and who your neighbor is. Verse 30, Jesus answering, Well, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, and uh, leaving him half dead at the end of the verse. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, a religious professional, and uh, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, here's another uh, religious professional, and uh, he passed by on the other side. But verse 33, a certain Samaritan, sojourned, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, he said, well, he that showed mercy on him. And boy, that answers the question for us. Who's my neighbor? Is it the person who lives across the street? Yes. Is it your next door neighbor? Yes. Is it the person that you see driving by with a flat tire that needs some help? Yes. Is it someone who needs Christ? Yes. To someone who needs a word of encouragement? Yes, that's your neighbor. This man, he took time to notice. He wasn't too busy in his life to uh, stop and help someone. problem is we are so much on a schedule to where it's like, I can't take time to help. got places to be, people to see, and I I don't have time to help you. Uh, This man took time, and he basically also took his own finances to help this man. He sacrificed. And I like the end of this, uh, this passage. After the man answered, then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And so, 
brothers and sisters, as we go into our community this week, go and do likewise. Love your neighbors yourself. Go be the good, good Samaritan. Go be the good moron, as sometimes they call us. Maybe they just call me that. I don't know. Now, why should we... Here's a question. Why should we show love to our neighbor? My answer is because God showed love to us. 1 John 4.11, John said it this way, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God would love a sinner like me, I can love a sinner like you. And by the way, he didn't just tell us that he loved us, although he did that. He did tell us. And he did have this, uh, I'm sure, uh, love emotion in him, in him. But see, again, love is not just, uh, not, not just a feeling. It's something you do. And, and when God loved us, it wasn't something he felt. It was something also that he did. You see, he demonstrated, he proved his love for us. He showed his love for us. Romans 5.8 says it this way, God commendeth or showed or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, I'm going to only love the neighbors that love me back. No, no. No, this, this guy never repaid him, never paid him back. This guy, this, the, this good Samaritan and the, the guy he helped, the guy he helped, I, there's no record of him paying him back and writing a thank you note and, you know, uh, giving him a gift certificate, gift card to Chick-fil-A or something. There's nothing like that. I'm sure there was a Chick-fil-A back in those days. There had to be. Had to be. But God demonstrated and he proved it by dying for us while we were yet sinners. It wasn't like we were like, oh, these lovable people. Oh, no, 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 we were sinners. We were his enemies. And yet he loved us in spite of all of that. So the, the point this morning is to show love to our neighbors. Show love. Show love. We need to show it. We need to demonstrate it. We need to prove it. We need to uh, let it be seen. And it's, again, an action word. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said it this way, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We should be involved in doing random and, yea, very, verily, regular acts of kindness to those around us. So we need to show love to our neighbors. And then number three, and lastly this morning, how can we magnify the Lord in our community? Well, we share the gospel with the lost. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, was where we started this morning. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. And in one area, we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's in our own neighborhood, in our own community. We need to be witnesses here and more. I'm thankful for our missions program. I'm thankful for all the missionaries that we support and their faithful service to the Lord in the corner of the world that God has placed them. I'm thankful we have a chance to support them. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next willing, next week, Lord willing, as we uh, talk about how we can magnify the Lord in our world. But look at, we're in some ways outsourcing, reaching the Philippines, reaching 
the different countries that our missionaries go to. We're in some ways outsourcing that, and we're, we're financially supporting them and prayer supporting them. Okay, who's going to reach more Oklahoma? Who's going to reach Norman? Who's going to reach Oklahoma City Metro? Yes, I know there's other churches, but look at God has also put us as a church here, not just to have a social club. God has put us here so that we would reach out into our own community. You can't outsource this. We can't pay someone to do this. This is my responsibility and yours as well if you're part of this church. Share the gospel with the lost. How do we do that? We need to be compassionate. We need to have compassion in our own hearts. Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus was compassionate as he saw the lost. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I want to encourage us as we go in and about our community and we live and and do business, and we work, and we play, and we do what we need to do in our community. See people through the eyes of Jesus. See people as if Jesus was looking at the people cutting you off, or the big line at Sam's Club, or wherever you're at. And it's he wouldn't have been annoyed. He saw people as people who had souls who were going to spend eternity somewhere. To his disciples, Jesus said this in John 4 and verse 35, Lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Get your eyes off of yourself and your own little world and your own little life and realize that God has you here for a bigger purpose than just to live your own little life. God has you here for a purpose to reach others with the gospel of Christ. So be soul conscious, be aware of the spiritual condition of the people around you. Ask God to give you a heart of compassion for your neighbors, for your co-workers, for your friends at school, teenagers, for your boss at work, for your family members, for your teacher, for each person that crosses your path because each and every one of these people will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And that's a truth you can't get away from. And you and I are given the responsibility to warn them, to give them the truth. It could be that the Lord has crossed your paths with that particular person in order that they would hear the gospel from you. And you might be the last opportunity they have to come to Christ. It's a sobering thought. What are we doing with that thought? So have compassion and be compassionate, but then next, be bold. Be bold. Very quickly, if you would, turn to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, and let's look at a few of these verses here very quickly. Verse number 12, this is Peter preaching. Verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What a, I would say to that, Amen, Peter. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the only name that can save. Then verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. 
Let's look in verse number 29 here. Here's a prayer that they were having, and they said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all... What's the next word? Boldness they may speak thy word. So they begin to pray for boldness. And verse 30 says, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Well, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with, what's that next word? Boldness. These early believers had a tremendous boldness when it came to speaking the word of God. If we're going to make a difference and we're going to magnify the Lord in this community, it's going to require some boldness from the members of Cornerstone Baptist Church. We go out into this community and we're not afraid of what people think of us. We're not afraid. Now, we want to be sensitive and, and gracious and kind and all of those things, but, but we do need to have a holy boldness where we're going to go forth and preach the truth to this community. Well, how do we have this boldness? Well, I would say one source of our boldness is when we're living a life that matches the message. If we're living a hypocritical life and talking about salvation in Christ and, and uh, the benefits of living a Christian life, and we're not living the Christian life properly, we're not going to have boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We need to be... Look, this community needs a church full of bold lions going out into this community with the truth, who says, Hey, look... I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not. But I'm doing my best to live according to the Word of God, and I'm trying. And uh, with that, I'm going to develop a little bit of power and a little bit of boldness, not of my own, but of the Lord that's going to give it to me. So we need to have this boldness. So we need to share the gospel with the manner of our lives, yes, but we also need to share the the gospel with the message of our lips. We need the boldness to actually open our mouths and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to go into all the world and teach all nations, starting with our own Jerusalem. I read yesterday that Bernie Sanders and his friends, this happened yesterday, they knocked on 26,000 doors yesterday in Virginia Beach, Virginia. 26,000 doors in one day. Now, for those who were at our vision banquet a couple months ago, you might remember that we have a goal of passing out 30,000 tracks in Moore, Oklahoma this year. So not in one day, but in the year. Now, if people can get passionate about Bernie Sanders and his campaign, how much more should we who know the good news of the gospel? This coming Saturday, as I mentioned during the announcements, we have a wonderful opportunity to get the gospel out into our community. We have an opportunity to share the gospel with the lost. Will you come and be a part of that? Will you be involved in magnifying the Lord in our community? When it comes to sharing the gospel with people, it does require a measure of boldness. Ask God for the courage and the boldness to preach the gospel to every person you possibly can. If we're going to magnify the Lord in our community, we're going to need to share the gospel with the lost. In Acts chapter number 5, the high priest asked Peter and the apostles, He said this, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. (coughs) And he was pretty upset at Peter. But Peter, I'm sure, 
would have been like, we did? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mission accomplished. We were trying to get the doctrine out into Jerusalem. They have filled Jerusalem with, our, with, with the doctrine of, of the Lord. Have we filled more with the doctrine of the Word of God? I would say, no, we have a long way to go. But we got to do it. We got to do it. You see, these believers in the early church, they decided they were going to magnify the Lord in their community. <coughs> some believed, some did not, and some were not happy about it. But ultimately, Christ was magnified in that community. And I'm praying that God would allow us as a church to magnify the Lord in this community in which we live. I am thankful again for the missionaries that go out and about. But God's called us here. We're missionaries here. How are we doing? I hope we're doing good. And I hope we continue striving to get God magnified here in this particular community. So magnify the Lord. It requires submission to human government. It requires showing love to our neighbors, and it requires sharing the gospel to the lost. I suspect maybe the Lord's pinpointed something in your life that maybe you could make a decision about, uh, maybe some area of growth that needs to happen in your heart and life. If you're here and you're not a Christian at all, maybe all this is brand new to you, and, and you say, I don't even know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I don't know that I've ever believed on Jesus, with my, for my salvation, I would encourage you to make that decision today before it's eternally too late. Uh, there is no more important decision in this life than a decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There, that, that's it. That's the most important by a long shot. If you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you to place your faith in Him today. For those of us who have, God's given us a responsibility to magnify Him in our community. Let's fulfill that responsibility together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for <clears throat> calling us to this community. Lord, you have us all here for a reason, for a purpose, for such a time as this. And oh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church family, individually and as a church family, to do what we can to magnify you in this community. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to the laws here. Help us, Lord, to be good citizens and to be supportive of uh, the laws that are here and those involved in leadership. Help us, Lord, to be submit, submissive to them. And Lord, help us to vote according to biblical principles. And help us, Lord, to do those things. Help us also, Lord, to actively show love to our community, to our neighbors around us. And then, Lord, I suppose even most importantly, help us to share the gospel with the lost in our community. Help us, Lord, to be faithful witnesses for you. You've called us to be witnesses. You've given us power to be your witnesses. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to do that. Help us to have compassion and, and to realize that the people around us have a soul and we'll spend eternity somewhere. And so, Lord, then help us to be bold enough to tell them the good news of the gospel. And there is no greater news than the news that Jesus died, was buried, and the third day he rose again for our justification. Lord, the greatest news of all. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to take that message to this community in which you've placed us.